Welcome in to the At The Yard Podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. We got a San Diego Swing special today as Jack Shannon takes us through the Open Division down to the Division 5 CIF San Diego Section Championships that took place last weekend. Stay tuned for that show. Welcome back to the At The Yard Podcast here on Prep Baseball Report California. I'm pumped to have Jack Shannon join us to take us on the San Diego Swing. Jack, busy week of playoff action down in the San Diego section. You got out to several games that we'll jump into here. But first, why don't you just give us kind of your initial thoughts. Your, your, now you've had some time to think about it. What are your thoughts of this postseason, this season in general? Uh, it was a great season. Um, I thought the playoffs... Uh, in the end really uh, told the story of the season as a whole. Um, we've talked about how there was a lot of parody in San Diego. And that was very clear when the number 11 seed with an eight and 20 regular season record won the division one championship. Um, and, and uh, in Westview and, uh, but then you had number one seeds uh, winning the other divisions. So um, the storylines were there. Um, the big games were there. And the, uh, the the names that we uh, continue to talk about uh, showed up. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest storylines that at least I saw from a distance was in the Division 5, right? The Morse Tigers, the number four seed, go out and win a CIF championship in baseball. Pretty neat accomplishment for a team who traditionally uh, is not known for their baseball prowess. Yeah, that was uh, great. Great to see um, the school open their doors in 1962, and until uh, just a couple days ago, um, they had not had a baseball championship. So, a uh, huge accomplishment um, for the Morris Tigers um, to uh, to get a championship. Um, they had a standout player, um, really helped them, and Alonzo Durazo uh, hit like 500 on the season. Um, Steady, steady throughout their lineup at shortstop, um, and oh, the rest of the guys, you know, that young team. You know, coach tweeted at us. He said, you know, we got a young team, maybe not the best talent, but these guys gave it their all, and uh, and uh, in the end, it, it really mattered. So um, that was great to see, and then to follow that up too with a tweet um, from Adam Jones at them, um, congratulating them uh, uh, since he was an alumni. Yeah, probably their most prominent baseball alum, at least recently, right? I mean, that's a school when I when I was growing up down there and played at at Hilltop. I mean, that's a school that was just a football powerhouse back in the day. Uh, but let's move on to Division Four. You had a one three matchup there between San Diego Southwest and uh, the Mount Carmel Sun Devils. Yeah, I think uh, this is a uh, playoff seating format that the uh, committee got right. Um, the the one seed uh, pretty much through it um running the table to the championship uh and then uh we discussed mount carmel in the last podcast being a team to watch uh because they had been playing up all year in the palomar league with poway and ranch bernardo and some tough non-conference tournament games so they had been playing against um open division um teams all year and then come playoff time they're down in four uh so they made it all the way to the championship as expected 
And, um, but in the end, the, uh, Southwest Raiders, um, prevailed and, uh, just put in a nice, uh, impressive season overall, um, for those guys. Yeah. It's always interesting when that happens. We saw that here in the Southern section with Santa Margarita playing in the Trinity league, and then they were slotted in division two, uh, you know, and they went on to win that, which was, uh, you know, one of the more exciting games on the day. I think that's really interesting how teams play up in their league. Um, you know, and then I guess the optics or the perception might be that they're playing down in the postseason and make a run. Uh, so let's let's shift over to D three Valhalla. I mean, they they kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Would you say? I mean, they struggled the last couple of years, right? And then uh, they had a couple of really good arms uh, that drove them to their uh, championship there in Division three. Yeah, they're a very interesting team because um, you know you, you heard about a couple struggle seasons, and then you know you, you talk to people and say you know. They, they they do this right, but boy, they need to get better at that, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, but on paper and, and when you see them, I mean, they've got a legitimate left-handed arm going in a Joseph Ingrassia going to UC Santa Barbara. They have arguably the best junior position player in San Diego and Kyle Casper. And then they have um, O'Sullivan as another pitcher, the last of the Sullivan brothers, um, on the mound as well. So they've got some really good pieces to a team. Um, and sometimes in the big games and the big tournaments, um, a few players can really carry a team. Um, obviously it's a team sport, but, um, when you've got elite talent, division one talent, pack 12 talent, um, it can really, uh, put you over the top. So, um, to see them in the end as the four seed champions, um, I can't say I'm surprised, but, um, definitely, they uh, did what they needed to do and um, did a good job in, in doing so. Yeah, and then moving up into Division Two, Sage Creek's a team we've talked a lot about here on, on the San Diego Swing throughout the season. And, you know, they just kind of took care of business as the number three seed there in Division Two. That's a team you saw quite a bit this year uh, against, uh, I guess, an up-and-coming Classical Academy, the number one seed there, if you will. I mean, is that fair categorization of Classical Academy? Um, well, I mean, they're a newer school, so they still uh, are in the early stages of them as a school. They were the three seed going in. Uh, they had an excellent pitcher in Steven Klensky, uh, but I got to see them twice in the playoffs and eliminate two of the better teams, I think, in San Diego as a whole and Point Loma and Benita Vista. Um, and one thing about Sage Creek that really stood out was they seemed like a complete team. Um, they had depth on the mound. Um, you know, when they were in their fifth game of the week, uh, they still were rolling out arms that, you know, were throwing quality pitches. Um, one through nine, they seemed to be getting hit. Um, they've got young guys getting hits and they've got old guys getting hits. So, um, it really seemed like they were, an extremely complete team from top to bottom. So, um, they were the type of team that's built well for the tournament setting. And, um, they made a really nice run, um, to the, uh, championship where they, uh, dismantled classical Academy. Yeah, and one of the guys that, that we talked about a little bit before was Nate Brasher, the 2021 out of Sage Creek. And 
sounds like he's really starting to put things together uh, at the plate and, you know, in terms of just kind of his overall profile and becoming a name that's going to be pretty recognizable here, not only this summer, but moving into next fall, I would assume. Yeah, he's uh, he's toolsy, really raw, um, long and lanky frame, but the kind of guy that um, he's getting hit. Um, he's doing he's doing things on the field that are starting to gain attention. So definitely a name uh, that's going to be uh, coming around a lot next year, I think, on the college radar. And then hopping into Division One, probably one of the strangest stories, if you will. I mean, an 11 seed driving its way through the postseason and, and winning a championship, uh, a 1-0 game uh, over the number one seed. I mean, that's that's something else. I'm good. I mean, it's obviously a really strong finish for Westview, but as you mentioned, they came into the postseason eight and twenty. I mean, is that just a, another sign of the parity you've talked about all season long? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely one of the main things. The way the Division One playoffs are set up with the top eight teams going to the open, and then. Um, nine through 20 being in division one kind of sets that up in general. But at the same time, um, there were a lot of close games throughout playoffs. I mean, everywhere you looked, it was three, one, five, three extra innings, that kind of deal. Um, and, uh, Westview, they, there's a really good article in the newspaper about how they had an extremely difficult, um, non-conference schedule where they're playing East Lake. Um, and, uh, Lacoste Canyon, um, all the all the big guys um, out of conference, and then in conference they were playing um, the likes of you know Poway and Rancho Bernard as well. So they uh, they stacked their uh, schedule with tough teams. So they were um, losing against quality opponents, um, and they also dealt with some injuries. Uh, their shortstop Leo Mosby on Santa Barbara um, was hurt. Um, they had some ups and downs from some of their pitchers. Um, but then at the end of the day, when I'm looking at them on the field at San Diego state, um, they're healthy and they've got division one shortstop. They've got a first baseman going to Hawaii Pacific, um, third baseman going somewhere, guys going to Palomar, um, a pitcher going to USD, um, big tons of size on their team, big guys, um, athleticism. They, long story short, they didn't look like an eight and twenty team. They looked um, like a uh, uh, a championship caliber team. Um, so uh, I think a lot, you know, a lot of things change as this season goes on, and and the playoffs really are uh, another season in their own. Yeah, no doubt about the postseason being its own season and and the team of the season if you will I mean they were essentially I mean I don't know if it's it's accurate to say they were wire to wire in the polls down in San Diego uh in terms of the power 25 they were the top team in San Diego for us all year and of course I'm talking about Eastlake uh and I mean that now we're talking about two of the last three open championships for Eastlake and you know, they sandwiched that around a, a, an open championship loss to Torrey Pines last year. I mean, what's in the water down at Eastlake? Uh, I mean, obviously a ton of talent in the senior class this year in the last couple of years. But, I mean, man, the, that team this year was pretty special to watch. Yeah, they were a great team um, all along. They were uh, 
you know, they were considered, you know, the best team early season rankings. I think they were top five, um, but quickly established themselves as the number one team in the county. Um, one little hiccup during the Lions tournament, but other than that, they pretty much uh, skated through the season. Um, a lot of the games were close for them, but I mean, they're just a good ball club. They really just take care of the little things. The coaching down there um, really emphasizes the defense and, you know, the strike throwing and uh, just the, the little parts of the game that, of course, every coach tries to emphasize with their teams. Um, but it seems like Eastlake just does a really good job um, of running that program and all, all, almost has the feeling of a, of a college college caliber type team when you talk about um, the product they put on the field and how they react defensively and um, taking care of the little things and, and how the players carry themselves on the field. And then on the mental side of the game, um, going down to Eastlake is a tough place to play. Um, I think they just have some, uh, some swag that they've created down um, in Chula Vista that, you know, you come to our place, you're, you're going you're gonna to have to battle to get a win. Um, a lot of those guys wear their hearts on their sleeves. They compete. The dugout's loud. Um, they've got the blue jerseys with the Titans across. I think they've just really created a, a product that is uh, difficult to defeat on the field. Yeah, and I think uh, the, the, the byproduct of that product, if you will, is everything you just described, right? And the product being winning, right? Because if you're hooping and hollering and shouting and dancing and doing all that stuff, but you're not winning games... I mean, none of that stuff really matters, right? I mean, these guys, Coach Gallegos and, you know, now Coach Orozco, I mean, those guys, that thing is, it's just humming at that program. And, I mean, you know, they beat a, a pretty strong Poway team 5-3 to three in that Open Championship. And, you know, we got to see Keone Kabako at the very end there, you know, last pitch, I believe was 93 to close things out. And, you know, they're just a really fun program. But let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, Jack and talk about kind of your top moments of the postseason and your scout picks and uh, let, let's talk about let, let's go through uh, you know this the, these things that you mentioned are some of your your favorite moments from the postseason what let's go through uh, what's your best game of the postseason uh, my best game uh, was definitely the open division first round East Lake Cathedral I uh, think we talked about it prior a little bit, but it was Ricky Tibbet versus Jake Ron, SDSU commit versus Long Beach State commit. And um, they just went head to head, pounding the zone. Both were 86, 90. The game, the game was maximum 90 minutes. Um, just really high level of talent on the field. Um, it, it had a great feel overall. Um, Keone, Kavako homered on the first pitch on the bottom of the first inning. Um, it was just a great game to watch um, and be a part of and to get a full full game in with quality pitching, a home run, um, good defense, that kind of thing, get out of there in 90 minutes. Um, I can't really think of a better game to be, to be a part of. <laughs> That's awesome. The best story, we've talked about this, obviously Westview entering the playoffs 8-20 and 20, uh, and then winning the division championship. Now, if there was a... a one more game, Jack. What if you could put together one last game in the San Diego City in the San Diego section? What would that matchup be, and why? 
Um, I would love to see East Lake with Ricky Tibbet on the mound go against Sage Creek with Stephen Klensky on the mound. Um, I think those were the two um, biggest game pitchers in the county this year. Um, Sage Creek showed that they are a legitimate baseball team with their performance in the playoffs this year. Um, so I think East Lake versus Sage Creek would be a really good game. Um, that would be a lot of fun to watch. You saw a lot of really strong pitching performances this uh, this postseason. What was the best pitching performance you saw? It was definitely um, Kelton Stowell from Westview in the championship game. Um, the word was that he is going to college just to be a student, um, and he pitched well well beyond that. I mean, he he was dominating on the mound uh seven inning complete game shutout with two hits and a walk and 14 strikeouts and um they um they had no chance against him i mean he was he was locating the fastball up down and out um slider cutter combo just keeping it away um using the same tunnel for his breaking pitches um you know starting breaking pitches uh, middle away so they end up a strike early in the count and then you know expanding outside the zone I mean he looked he looked like a college pitcher um, fastball was 84 87 um, pretty small stature you know 510 probably like 150 pounds but um, you know kept his kept his body um, compact and kind of fired towards home plate really balanced um, overall just an extremely impressive uh, pitching performance from a senior um, that it, as of now or as of that game wasn't pitching in college. Well, yeah, as of that game and, and you told me where he's headed to college and he might need to step into the coach's office and introduce himself to that new coach there at that program. But let's talk about uh, the, on the flip side, the best defensive performance you saw in the postseason. Yeah, there's the uh, Valhalla game. Um, had a ton of lead changes, a lot of weird plays too, some errors, some, some, you know, double steals, bunt, you know, hits. It was, it was a, it was a wild game. Um, I think it ended, you know, seven, five, six, five, something like that. But the, the score was, was, uh, all over the place. It was a long game. It was like two and a half hours. Um, just a lot of weird things going on. But one thing that stood out to me was the Valhalla shortstop, Mario Johnson, um, he was just uh, like everyday Eddie over there at shortstop. I mean, he was making play after play, picking up his teammates um, in tight spots um, and getting them out of there. And, you know, he didn't really necessarily um, make an ESPN top 10 play, but it was really the consistency and it kind of slowed the game down because it seemed like the game was going really fast at times. But then there was that one guy there that, you know, if the ball was getting hit to him, he was making the play. Yeah, that Mario Johnson out of Valhalla. And then, then we'll finish it off with the best offensive performance uh, that you saw in the postseason. Yeah, I would. It goes back to that open first round game with East Lake and Cathedral, and you know it's East Lake's first game. They're the number one seed. You know, you got all the scouts there. Uh, uh, Fox Five San Diego. You know all the spotlights on that game and Keone Cavaco hitting a leadoff home run. I really think set the tone and, and, and almost at that point he hits that home run and you're like, East Lake's going to win it all. I mean, it was just kind of one of those weird 
things that happens in sports sometimes where, you know, first impressions are everything. Well, they entered the playoffs first pitch of the game for the Titans is a home run. So uh, just one of those things where, you know, senior leader, big draft guy, um, big story guy, and he, he set the tone with the home run. So I think that really just uh, stood out to me. Yeah, it sounds like they put momentum on their back right out of the gate there. Uh, Jack, so that, that, that'll wrap it up there for the postseason. Let's look ahead a little bit. You know, you've had an opportunity to see a boatload of guys in San Diego, obviously a lot of underclassmen. You know, what are you looking forward to here the, heading into the summer uh, and then early fall? Yeah, well, I think the, uh, the pro case we're having uh, next weekend is going to be awesome going to get to see um i'm most excited honestly to see uh what's going on in your part of the area um how how guys i've been seeing in san diego for the past uh three four months um match up to the guys in the in orange county in la so i think that'll be really cool and that'll help me uh learn a lot kind of gather some information trying to stay involved with uh prep baseball report as much as i can um and uh, excited to uh, keep moving forward. Awesome, Jack. Well, we're really excited to have you part of the team here, and we're looking forward to seeing you up here next Saturday for the Pro Case. Um, so really appreciate all your efforts, man, on the San Diego Swing, not only this postseason uh, preview, or pardon me, wrap-up, but uh, all season long, man. You, you really crushed it down in San Diego for us. Thank you, Les. I appreciate it. It was great. San Diego's a great area for baseball. Um, I'm glad I could... Uh, I could help. Awesome, Jack. Well, we'll talk real soon. I want to thank Jack Shannon for taking us on the San Diego Swing and recapping the season in America's finest city. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com for all your news, information, player rankings, and event listings. Until next time, we'll see you at the yard.